Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to Your High Vibration Life. Today, I'm introducing you to Machiel Clerk, who is my friend. He's local to me here in Utah and he's a South African psychotherapist and dream worker. He's an international speaker and a diviner. After getting a master's degree and doing many years of clinical psychotherapy, Machiel has finished three years of post-grad training in Robert Bosnak's dream work. He's trained by the Jung Institute in Zurich, Switzerland. If you don't know Carl Jung, he was a protege of Sigmund Freud, one of the most famous figures in the history of human psychology. And Freud was all about the subconscious and what it says about where we may be energetically and developmentally stuck due to our subconscious and what's happening there. And then Jung took off from Freud's work and dived into the deep, dark place of the human subconscious, including our dream life. Machiel has published articles on depth psychology, and he's released a CD on dreams. He was named as one of the 100 most influential cultural figures in Utah because he teaches dream workshops, which is where I met him, and he lectures all over Europe, North America, and Africa with other dream work experts, including famous African shamans. And Machiel is also the founding president of the Jung Society in Utah, whose entire purpose is to teach people to leverage their nighttime dreams for their daytime growth and learning and problem solving. So welcome, Machiel Clerk. Well, thank you very much and uh, excited to be here, Robin. Well, I want you to tell us about, you know, most of us think of dreams as some weird thing that happens when we're unconscious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, dreams are sort of shameful sometimes. You know, I almost feel guilty about what I'm dreaming about sometimes. And sometimes I get in weird ruts dreaming about building a house. For a few months, I was just dreaming about building a house, even though I'm not building a house and I haven't for many years. And they're just pretty much always confusing unless you've studied the symbology of it. And so it's really great that we get to listen to a pro today. Tell us about what we're missing in our dream. And we forget them within an hour of waking up mostly. So talk to us about why dreams are important to you, why you've made a career out of helping people understand how important their dreams are. Yeah, well, I um, got uh, stuck in my early 20s. And I was uh, on that time living in Amsterdam and uh, uh, didn't really know what to do in the future. And I had uh, unresolved grief of the death of my father at the age of 10. And my culture and my family wasn't really good at uh, dealing with grief. And so uh, several threats really did lead up uh, to a situation in my own life where uh, Uh, Life had become uh, kind of meaningless and uh, lack of uh, dreams and vision and purpose. And by some uh, fortunate coincidence, I stumbled uh, upon the works of Carl Jung, which you just mentioned, uh, one of the great uh, dream workers of the last century and uh, founding fathers of uh, of, uh, psychoanalysis in uh, in the world. And he uh, provided some uh, some guidelines on... uh, how to see dreams, how to work with dreams, how to understand dreams. And then really my own life uh, uh, started uh, being flooded with dreams at night, uh, almost to the point that it was uh, was overwhelming. 
However, uh, many of these dreams uh, provided uh, insights into my uh, own current situation. You could say they were kind of psychological x-rays displaying uh, my own uh, place in, uh, in life and uh, uh, giving an idea of uh, where I was, of, uh, of the territory I found myself in. And uh, they started to uh, provide uh, suggestions and clues on uh, how to move forward and uh, how to connect with well, well, my own uh, gifts and purpose. And when I, uh, when I did that and followed it, life changed radically for the better. So I've uh, uh, been uh, deeply uh, grateful to the world of dream and its inhabitants for its uh, support and guidance. And uh, that uh, has uh, led me to a an, uh, an deep engagement with dreams ever since. I first uh, worked in business, but the last uh, 10 years or so, I've been uh, fully uh, focused on uh, being a therapist and working with dreams and thinking and writing about dreams. So that is uh, where where my own life started with dreams. They uh, they really uh, helped me to connect with my gift and purpose, and uh, and and life became colorful again and uh, meaningful. And I think that uh, there are many ways uh, to reach that uh, place in life, but dreams is uh, one of them. So you talk to me a lot about dream incubation. Where this where this come from, and what exactly is dream incubation? Yeah. So dream incubation is a an, uh, an really helpful, fun, practical technique in which you can ask your dream before you go to bed a question and uh, in order to elicit a response from the dream. So we can ask the dream any question around uh, health or vocation, finances, uh, of course, love relationships or um, a whole range of other things that, uh, that uh, either have our interest or bothers us. And the dream will, uh, if we do it in the right way, the dream will, uh, will help and guide us. So the dream is a kind of a, uh, a great friend that we can consult at night for some uh, wisdom on, on our own path. And dream incubation is the name uh, that has been given to that uh, technique. Awesome. And so what kinds of things do you accomplish with a client when you include their subconscious and what's going on in their dreams? Give me give me like an example and how you go ask your dreams for help with your real life. Right. Uh, well, for example, one uh, one uh, client uh, once came to me and uh, a woman that has been had been married for uh, 25 or 30 years. And uh, she was wondering what was going on in her marriage. She uh, clearly uh, experienced some dissatisfaction, but couldn't really uh, put a finger on uh, the issue. So we uh, decided to uh, to uh, engage the dream and ask the dream to uh, to provide some insight. So the woman uh, goes home, go, does uh, a little thinking about it, and uh, creates a ritual in which she uh, goes through the her wedding al- album finds a picture of uh, her husband's hand and her hand uh, over each other that was taken on the day of her uh, wedding. And then imaginally she puts a question mark on it. And with that uh, image of the two hands, the wedding ring and the question mark, she, uh, she goes to bed and, um, and then has the following dream. And she says, in the dream, I'm uh, entering a uh, building. And this building is uh, maybe in the 1900s or 1950s. And uh, it's a large space with only women working there. There's this uh, this this kind of uh, 
uh, industrial feel to it and the women are sitting at long tables doing some form of mechanical work. Then uh, she's uh, brought by her manager to uh, her place, which is in another room also uh, with only women. And she sits behind her desk and then uh, her eye falls on the on her contract. And she sees that she's only earning $6 an hour, of which she remarks, that is below minimum wage. And uh, she wants to talk to the manager about that. So that is uh, the dream. And then... Um, she has uh, the good habit of sharing dreams with her husband. So in the morning, she uh, shares this dream without uh, disclosing that she had uh, asked this question. And the husband picks up on the end of the dream where the woman uh, uh, gets uh, underpaid uh, for her work. So he asks the question, is there any place in your life where you feel undervalued? Well, woman uh, has a pretty good idea where, uh, where that is. So that uh, that gave her a starting point that uh, she uh, felt uh, undervalued in uh, in her uh, marriage, that she felt that she was in a uh, role pattern that was uh, um, uh, very much like the 1900s, where women either uh, were well, a traditional role pattern, and uh, if a woman did some work, it was uh, a simple mechanical work, and so she felt she was stuck in that kind of. Uh, of life, and so it, uh, it it gave a starting point uh, for her uh, her exploration on how to change it and uh, and what to do with it. I love it. What do you think about my constantly dreaming for months about building a house? Yeah, that. Uh, 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 so then you look at the dream, and there's uh, uh, two levels you can uh, look at it. One is, uh, does it uh, have to do with something? Uh, literally in the uh, outer world, like really building a house, and you say, uh, well, that you, you weren't uh, engaged with that, then it is more in a metaphorical uh, sense of uh, you are building something new, a new structure, either uh, a new aspect of yourself, or you are reinventing a part of yourself, or you're building uh, some other part of a business, but some form of, of building that uh, has to do with uh, a form of uh, um, yeah, comfort and nurturing and structure, a sense of home. So something to that extent uh, you must have been uh, working on for several months. Hmm. You know, I have somebody on staff at Green Smoothie Girl. Her name's Nikki, and she'll be hearing this eventually. She's a, she's a listener to your High Vibration Life podcast, and she's a dream analyst. And yeah. so she knows all the symbology and sometimes I'll wake up and I'll text her a dream. I think I've done this with you too, but she's, she's, uh, she, and she writes back the most remarkable things that seem very on point. And mm -hmm. of course she generally knows what's going on in my life. She's, um, worked with us for, I think five years now. So we know each other well, but I've always been amazed at how, close she is to exactly what that might mean in my life. And, you know, there's those glossaries of, you know, what a snake means in a dream and what, you know, flying, yeah. you know, people fly a lot in their dreams. What do you, what, tell me about dream analysis, like Nikki does for me sometimes when I have a really weird dream. And especially, I especially tell her when I'm having a dream um, that's really colorful or I'm having a dream that's mm -hmm. repetitive. What is, talk about dream analysis versus dream incubation. 
Yeah, uh, so dream analysis is really uh, the pondering about uh, the, the, the dream itself. So dream incubation is the process of uh, asking your dream a question, getting a response. And then after you get the response, you uh, engage with, uh, with the analysis of what does this dream uh, mean or suggest. And, what, uh, and that's, of course, a great art. And um, there are some, uh, some general uh, things like uh, not a home very often. Uh, there, there are general themes, uh, uh, having a home or marriage or um, going on a journey. And, uh, but most dreams, you, uh, you also need to know either the dreamer or ask some questions. Because for a part, dreams are uh, manifestations of your belief and your emotions and the intent that you have. And so you need to know the dreamer a little bit to understand these, uh, these inner uh, figures or beings that uh, are uh, in the dream. And uh, you get there by asking questions as, uh, what is your association to a uh, house or mother or this dream figure? And then, they, uh, and then a person will, will share that and that, that is very often suggests something of uh, uh, that is uh, part of what uh, what this dream uh, is uh, is suggesting. So uh, that is actually kind of important and necessary more than uh, just going to a dream dictionary because that's too uh, too generic. If you would uh, have a uh, dream with a horse in it, but you were uh, kicked by the horse when you were young, or you are really afraid for horses, that horse means something completely different than uh, a dream that uh, someone else who, uh, who rides horses for their vocation and, uh, and loves horses, then, uh, then that same horse doesn't mean the same thing. So yeah, you, you need to have the personal associations of a dreamer to a dream to really uh, do an, a good and an accurate job. So that is uh, probably also why your uh, your friend and colleague is uh, is able to uh, to help you because the, she knows somewhat of your uh, of your life. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, it's amazing how creatively she thinks about symbology. And so, talk a little bit about Freud and then Jung and symbology and the sub- subconscious because where I'd like to go from that is for people who aren't familiar with the fact that. Freud was the first one to really dig deep into why what's going on in our subconscious is stuff we've got to resolve. Um, Mm -hmm. But then where Jung took it from there. After that, I want to ask you where you're taking it from there. Well, you you asked some uh, some really big questions uh, all uh, in uh, in one and uh, but uh, but they're great. And so uh, Freud was probably uh, one of the first in the uh, current Western tradition that uh, started to take dreams serious. And Freud, uh, a little simplified version, but Freud uh, generally thought that uh, um, dreams were, uh, were, were, were kind of uh, uh, stories that uh, showed some, uh, some where we have uh, repressions and that dreams were uh, changing. Uh, the, the strangeness of dreams was the cause of dreams not wanting to upset us while we're being asleep and therefore they take on different forms than what they, uh, what they really, uh, what, than what they uh, might mean. And, uh, um, and, and uh, so we had an, an idea of an unconscious that uh, was uh, uh, almost like an, a storehouse of partly repressed uh, uh, 
contents that uh, were living out at night. In his time in in, in Europe, uh, sexuality was very repressed. So a lot of people had uh, strange repressed uh, dreams around sexuality because that wasn't uh, well integrated. And so then it uh, shows up at night in uh, in strange forms. And so there is uh, where he got a lot of his uh, ideas around sexuality and uh, and the strangeness of dreams. Jung uh, had an uh, at an at a slightly different uh, idea about dreams, and he thought the dreams were uh, uh, far more uh, symbolic and metaphorical in nature, and that there was an additional layer to the psyche, which he called the collective unconscious. And so in, uh, in, in, in Jungian terms, you have uh, uh, the symbols, which are uh, representations of some, uh, something uh, not well known, but uh, um, a symbol would be, for example, be if you would dream about someone you haven't seen for a long time, and uh, then that person would probably not refer to the actual person that, that you know, but would be a symbol for the um, uh, emotions and, and feelings you have about that person. Maybe you dream about John, you haven't seen John for 20 years. I would ask, uh, what do you associate to John? And he would say, oh, John is jealous. Then jealousy would symbolically show up in the dream in the in the clothes and form of John, because John is the person that in your mind is a jealous uh, person. So that would be a symbol. And then uh, an, 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 uh, uh, a more symbolic metaphorical look at, uh, at the dream is, for example, with your house. It was not literally referring to a house, but more like a structure that you were building uh, could uh, suggest uh, any any new endeavor where you were creating uh, a sense of home or building something, whether it's a business or, yeah, you probably know what you were working on those days, but that was uh, that was uh, metaphorically represented in your dream as uh, as creating a house, building a house. And uh, so, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I know that you go to Africa once a year. I mean, you're from South Africa, but you go work with a shaman there. And I know that you have taken the best from Jung, who is long dead. And of course, we need to evolve the science of what's going on in subconscious. So I know that you've continued to study and it's more modern study. Where have you jumped off from Jung's work and what's really exciting and new since, you know, the death of Carl Jung? Yeah. So the difficulty with Jung is that he post uh, uh, several different uh, ideas about dreams and uh, who are not always even uh, completely uh, congruent with each other. But uh, uh, how I see dreams is, uh, uh, first of all, uh, the, the dream, what is important to know about a dream is that a dream is a, a world that you find yourself in at night. So, uh, and, and it's easy for everybody that listens, just go back to a, a, a strong dream or your latest dream. And you will uh, know that uh, if you look around, that you see uh, uh, maybe the horse or uh, the angry cab driver, and that you are walking somewhere or doing something, and that uh, you're uh, in a world. So that uh, suggests that the dream is not a uh, letter or a movie uh, generated by uh, your brain or by uh, God or the mystery being sent to you. But it's uh, a world uh, that is uh, created by uh, your own actions and, uh, and some other force. And that is, uh, that's a very important starting point because now uh, 
uh, by knowing that you're in a world, you can start uh, relating to uh, the dream uh, figures that are in this world. And uh, they, uh, they can be seen as uh, forms of consciousness that, uh, that are there. And, uh, and, and by getting in touch with these uh, states of consciousness, you can uh, uh, transform your own uh, uh, state of consciousness. For example, if uh, you would dream uh, about uh, being chased by a crocodile, then interpretively, uh, probably uh, most people would agree that means that you're uh, afraid for something that is really aggressive and that is chasing you. And it could be uh, literally your boss or someone else. But then uh, uh, knowing that, that doesn't uh, change the situation uh, yet. And uh, if you go back in the dream and you uh, uh, look at the crocodile, you can get in, uh, in touch with the energy of the crocodile. And uh, most likely that is a uh, really assertive, aggressive uh, energy that you need in order uh, to change the situation you're in, in which you, uh, that energy will probably give you the strength to speak up to your boss or uh, stop uh, that what is chasing you. And so there are all these, uh, there are, there's this technique in which you can uh, integrate the, uh, the, the consciousness of, uh, of uh, or the energy of crocodile in order to transform your own state of consciousness. And those are uh, really exciting uh, ways of working with dream. And I must say, I've, in my travels around the world, I, I, I've seen that uh, other parts of the world actually also by times uh, relate in the same way uh, with their dreams. Yeah. How, how do other cultures deal with their dreams? How are we different than other cultures, especially you you have been to some native, more indigenous yeah. places. Where How are we different? What can well, we learn from them? Yeah, this is a good question. So uh, Western thinking very often thinks of a dream as a uh, uh, little turn on, turn off event at night. You have this uh, experience or you watch this uh, movie and then uh, that is it. And uh, most uh, indigenous cultures stretch the concept of dream and they think the dream is a world that we enter at night they really uh, think this is a uh, is a world, and uh, they also think the same world continues to exist when we wake up. So it is uh, uh, you have the world we live in, and then coexisting there is an other world. Very often they literally call it the other world, a world that is uh, uh, coexisting with this reality, inhabited with uh, with uh, spirits or uh, dream beings or ancestors. And um, the goal is to, uh, to build a relationship with those uh, ancestors, dream beings, spirits, in order to have uh, a uh, uh, fluid life. So that is, uh, that is uh, probably uh, one of the differences in, um, if in, in general brushstrokes between Western psychology and uh, indigenous uh, view on uh, the world of dream. Mm, interesting. And I'm not surprised that they see it more uh, all as one whole cloth. That's, yeah. we've gotten so reductionistic in so many ways in our culture. Um, it reminds me of our approach to medicine, that we reduce medicine to specific organs. And we mm -hmm. have specialties where the doctor just looks at, just looks at the cardiovascular system as it's, as if it's not part of a whole, you know, organism. And that's yeah. really interesting. What do you, what do you say to people who say they don't dream? 
Well, we uh, we we now know that uh, that everybody dreams, and uh, people actually, uh, um, if you sleep uh, eight hours, probably four to six hours of that night is uh, being spent in uh, in dreaming. And uh, uh, we can uh, uh, the science can these days uh, measure uh, the brain and the and the dream activity, so they uh, they know that uh, that we all dream. And what you do see is uh, if you bring people who uh, claim they've never dreamt in their life and uh, they don't believe they dream, but you bring them to a sleep laboratory and ask them uh, just to write down when they wake up uh, a dream in case uh, they have one. Then uh, you see that uh, sometimes the first night or within two, three days, people uh, start remembering their dreams. And uh, what, you, uh, what, what, the re- what the research suggests and my own experience seems uh, uh, to uh, uh, validate that is that people uh, uh, will remember dreams if they are interested in dreams. So if people think there's some value to the dream, they, uh, they will start having dreams. If people uh, uh, don't pay a lot of attention to it, uh, dream life becomes uh, uh, less intense and sometimes it uh, disappears uh, altogether all or at least for, uh, for the consciousness that, uh, that remembers it. So everybody dreams all the time and uh, I would, uh, would uh, even suggest that uh, uh, dreaming uh, continues to happen uh, right now, like in dra- daydreams and fantasies. But uh, um, uh, the reason that people uh, don't remember their dreams is that your short-term memory doesn't function at night. So you go to bed, you sleep, your short-term memory goes, uh, goes uh, offline, and uh, then you have all these experiences of which you remember nothing upon waking or, or, or almost nothing. Even if you remember a dream, it is maybe one, two or three minutes on, uh, on multiple hours that you've been away. But your brain has uh, been uh, active. It has been uh, working. You've been engaged in all kinds of, uh, of adventures throughout the night. And you, and you remember uh, close to nothing. That is uh, your short-term memory doesn't work. And that's also the reason that uh, uh, if you want to increase dream recall, the ability to remember dreams, that when you wake up, you have to immediately write down what you did dream. Because because most dreams will evaporate. And uh, so dream recall uh, doesn't have to do with uh, uh, being very intelligent or having good memory or willpower. If you don't write it down upon waking, it uh, it goes away because your your short term memory just uh, kicks in. So very often, uh, what I do is I try to uh, tell the dream two or three times to myself, see uh, the images, so that uh, so that I capture it. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> within minutes, uh, it can be uh, can be gone. Okay, so tell us one more thing. Tell us what we do at night before bed. Tell us a ritual and what we do when we first wake up or when we wake up from the dreams so that we can really make use of our dreams and bring our dreams into our waking life and live a higher vibration life using our subconscious. Yeah. So uh, in that case, I would say uh, do this uh, method of dream incubation. And uh, in dream incubation, you uh, the first step is really that you think about uh, what kind of question you want to ask. 
And usually what works best is a question that is uh, either uh, something you've been uh, thinking about during the day that has been bothering you or exciting you or uh, you're really curious about. And then uh, uh, write down the question because uh, just like you forget dreams, you might forget the way you uh, phrase the question and you need to read the answer of your dream against the question. So uh, just uh, assume that uh, the dream is this great friend that you ask a question and it uh, will answer your question. But then uh, you must make sure that you remember what your question is. So write it down and then uh, create a little ritual. And a ritual is uh, kind of a an, uh, of an way of uh, telling dreaming or um, uh, if you're spiritual, you can say God or the mystery or the friend or you say uh, to your, you talk to your brain. But some form that you uh, that you uh, uh, let uh, dreaming know that you uh, would love to have an answer. And uh, you can uh, can uh, uh, some people uh, uh, have a special a dream journal where they write in or they have a stone that they associate to dreaming or they, um, uh, a painter who wanted inspiration for a, a painting just put in a blank canvas next to his bed. Um, so there are all kinds of uh, little rituals that you can do. And then uh, you go to bed, you might meditate in bed for a couple of minutes on uh, on your question. You have the dream, you wake up, and now, you know, you have to write it down, otherwise they disappear. So you write down your dream and then uh, you, uh, you, you look at, uh, at the answer and, uh, and puzzle a little bit on it. But very often the answer will make sense because uh, of uh, the type of question you asked. And uh, maybe a fun question for people to ask is, uh, uh, what is one thing I can do to uh, raise my vibration? and then uh, see what uh, the dream comes up with a suggestion for them. I love it. And I think this is going to be really useful to people because they, you know, if they're listening and they're wanting to integrate all their energies, why do we take one third of our energies where we have this colorful, amazing life going on and mm -hmm. we just shrug our shoulders and say, well, I don't understand what that's about and then do nothing with it. So I think this has given us some really helpful tips about how we can integrate the two and, and even just being more aware that we dream and we dream for purposes. And these are our subconscious knocking on the door. I think it's really yeah. exciting. So Machiel, tell everyone where they can find you and learn more. Yeah, there's two places uh, people can do this. It's on my uh, my own website, machielklerk.com, which is M-A-C-H-I-E-L-K-L-E-R-K.com. They can uh, find some information about uh, uh, my dream work, uh, the definitions that I do, that I learned from the African shamans. Um, and uh, on uh, the Jung platform, the J-U-N-G platform.com, we uh, have uh, several courses there. And one course I have... Uh, is on a dream incubation where uh, in a four-class course, I really go over uh, the general uh, concept, uh, what kind of questions people can ask, how you ask it, what you can do to, uh, to uh, trigger a better response, and some suggestions on uh, how do you work with the uh, answer of the dream. So it's a nice, uh, full, complete package if, uh, if people are interested in it. Yeah, um, Nikki told me, I told you she's our dream analyst 
Uh, she told me that she has signed up for your dream incubation project. So again, oh yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, that fun? Please. She hasn't started yeah. it yet, but she she got it. Um, so again, everyone, it's Machiel Clerk, M A C H I E L K L E R K dot com. And so Machiel, thank you so much, my friend. You are a you are an amazing human, and you're helping make the world a more high vibration place. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Uh, It's always great uh, connecting with you. Thank you for being on the show. 